I say that because you're going to say something that will be locked up last week. The reason I say it's chapter 26 is because it's five before. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, looking up of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood the cherubim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with one he did speak. With two he flew, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the earth were shaken, for those who were taken and were called and the houses were filled with the smoke. I said, woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Lord, we thank you this morning again to pick up, Lord, where we left off last week and where you're leading us. Lord, to begin to begin to take uh, our lives to take shape and our lives would the life of those whom you have redeemed, of those who are citizens of heaven. We want our lives to change, and we want our lives to bring glory and honor to your name. We long to be enslaved to you, Lord, to eternity, and every day more and more that our lives would just be more and more shaped by the truth of your word, by the culture Every race, every ethnic group has a has a story. Has a that we may adopt more and more the culture of heaven. That we may look bring adopt more and more and more the name of Jesus into our story. That we're open between that passage in Galatians seven three for myself. Conversation. They were speaking to one another. 
Um, and so um, the serpent sprays God, and, 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 and it is not um, their praise was to God, but not directed to God, and not they were talking to each other as they prayed to magnify God. This is healthy. Please come to receive it, folks. But I believe God wants to strengthen in us. You know, and so um, the, the revelation, the manifest holiness of God compelled them outward. It compelled them to speak, and it compelled them to go outward towards each other, towards the serpent. Towards the, the serpent, they, they found the, the, the manifest glory of the king to be an occasion for them to draw near to each other and to really speak to one another. And so there's, there's something about that that just that, that really helped me to, like, to just see again the, this, the reality of what God, what does God mean in our midst? What happens when God comes? There are things that happen when God reveals himself and he manifests himself. There are things, and we, and we can only get that from the word of God. And so we see here this wonderful thing that takes place where the encounter with the holiness of God actually provokes a conversational moment between the, the, the seraphim. They could not just remain silent. They could remain silent and said, wow, when they thought it was They could, have, they could have just remained quiet. But, but something compelled them to speak the glories of God to each other. And I, I, I'm so jealous about that. I don't know about you. I'm jealous. I want that for us. Amen. How many want that for us? Amen. I, I want that. I, I, that's the heavenly culture. I believe this is, um, I remember one time Pastor Simbler said, you know, you know, there are a lot of people that are not going to heaven because they, they don't like that. You know, they don't like that. But it's like, why would God make someone that doesn't like God and put him in heaven? That would be torment, right? <laughs> that, would be, that would be torment because, you know, people, they just don't, they don't, they don't, they're uncomfortable with praise and worship. So why, why, why go to heaven when that's all we're going to be doing, right? We're going to be worshiping God. So we lo- I long for that. So I, I, I want us to encourage that. I'm going to encourage each of us to, to, to ask the Holy Spirit to really um, – this in our midst because it's wonderful. Um, so this manifest presence of God has this wonderful effect of bringing into glorious harmony all of creation. So, so when, we, when we see the manifest presence of God, when God wants to reveal himself, what happens? Well, one thing that happens is that things are brought together. And we see that in Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Make me known to them the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Right, to bring all things together, centered on the glory of Jesus Christ. Um, bringing all speech, all conversation, all ambitions, everything, you know, everything will be all united among, around the glory of Jesus Christ. It's hard, to, it's hard to conceptualize that because we don't live like that, right? We, I have my things, I have, my, I have this, I have my gear, I have this. And in an in, in indirect way, I'm hoping and praying that all these things are driven for the glory of God in one form or another. But in heaven, it won't be like that. It will be very, very, very specific um, uh, unity in all of creation. There will be this manifest unity in all of creation uh, centered on the glory of Jesus Christ. And so that all of life, all that is of, of anything living will have its source, has ambition, has its goal, all around the glory of Jesus Christ. And, and that's just refreshing to me that we're going to a world where Jesus is at the center of it all. Amen? Amen? I you know, we, we live in a world where Jesus is not the center of it all. Let's be honest. We are strangers. We are, uh, right, Paul calls us uh, elect exiles. We are, we, I don't know about you, but do, do you feel the tension of living away from home? I feel the tension every moment. I feel the tension right now of living away from, away from a world that my heart, my spirit longs to be united in Jesus Christ fully in the fullness of his glory. Eh? Amen? And so, so we get a little glimpse of that um, in, in, um, in Isaiah 6, and we get an explanation of that in Ephesians, to unite all things, all things and things in heaven, and praise God, things on earth. Amen? Imagine if that was not there, things in heaven. <laughs> like, hello, yo. Um, we'll be moving to heaven. I will be like, okay, man, wait a minute. But thank God that he's going to unite all things, heaven and earth, right, together. 
this is something about the presence of Christ um, that has this wonderful unifying effect on magnifying the Lord. It's not just uniting all things, but in the uniting of all things in Christ, there is essentially a magnifying effect. It's not just coming together. It is coming together in a way that magnifies Christ, in a way that in a way that, that makes much of Jesus Christ, that makes much of his glory, so that all things are done in that way. And, and we're going to be doing a lot of things in heaven. I don't think that we're just going to stay in Palmer Brown for as many years as we're heaven, but there's going to be life. There's going to be things done, right? But in all that is done, right, in all that is done will be done in worship. All that we do will be done in worship to God, right? So, so it, it's just a wonderful reality for those who, belong to him. Psalm 34, 1 through 3, I will bless the Lord at all times. And you see every once in a while, uh, Isaiah sees this in heaven, but every once in a while, we get glimpses in redemptive history, we get glimpses of, of, of this wonderful thing that God is doing in creation, bringing us into this new creation in Jesus Christ, right, where, 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 where our lives are going to be dramatically changed. Where the things that we we love now we're going on love, right? With crisis, right? So all of it, and we see this in Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord all time. His praise shall continually be in my mouth, right? So you see, well, really things are continually going to shall stop. His praise shall continually be like, no, seriously, David, could you exaggerate a little bit? <laughs> like, um, you know, the moment you say I'm hungry, ah, there we go. It's not not continuing in your mouth, right? But the idea here is that. These psalms are giving us an echo of what's coming, right? So that in eternity, in my mouth, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise unceasingly right? So this, this idea that his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I believe in heaven. Everything that we say, every word, every speech, every phrase, every communication will have in it praise. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? There will never be a wasted phrase, a wasted participle. There will never be a wasted entanglement. Everything, every speech, everything that is said, everything that is communicated, everything will have essentially in it the praise and glory of God. Amen? Can you, can you imagine that? It's hard for me to imagine that, but I believe that, that that has to be that way. Why does it have to be that way? Because God is that awesome. Because God is that great. That every speech, every word, everything that is made, all things were made for him, to him, by him, right? Everything is made. So, so there has to be, he has to be at the center of all that is real. Amen? So, so I, I just long, and we have that in us. We long for that. Right? We don't experience it in fullness, not at all. And God ordained you that you don't experience that. It's not like nothing's wrong with that. But we long for that. We long to be a, in a world where Jesus Christ is at the center of it all, beginning and the whole operation. So my, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Let the humble here be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So there we see again, we see this idea of, of, of this culture of heaven really um, imparting, being imparted to David into Psalm 34, so that there is this longing to be together. There is a longing to be, uh, praise the Lord with me. I need you to praise the Lord with me. There, there's, there, there's something that, 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 that pulls. When I'm here, whew, do I feel a wet tsunami attack. I feel, I feel praise the Lord together with me. I, I, I wish I could shut it off and say, Lord, but I feel it. I can feel it. I can feel it. As I'm magnifying God, I, I feel the call. Let, let's do this together. Let's do this together. And, you know, and, and I've learned to say, you know, God, you, you do what you want. But you know, I long, you know, this, I, I, I get it. You know, I, I get that. It's just something that, that we long for, to be united together in praise. And so I want to continue um, to look at this passage and, uh, and really finish what, what I, I was hoping to finish last week. And so we're, we're not, we're, we take our time. We're not in any rush. And so, one of the signs that we are truly beholding Christ are the seasons. These are, things, these, are, these are questions that help us examine 
dynamic effect. One of the signs that we are truly holding the glory of God and the majesty of God is that we feel compelled to orient outwards for other people. I do believe that in conversation that's very important. Maybe that's just one, one of the signs. Not the only sign, but it's one of the signs that I've learned in my life as a shepherd that when we seek you in Christ, it is attractive, even if we're alone. There's something about others are constantly compelling us. You know, in the same way that one of the signs that we are failing to be whole, failing to see Jesus Christ in people, when we're failing that, we do not seek you in Christ towards others in conversation with them. You're not seeing Christ, you don't feel compelled. You behold Christ, you feel compelled. You can't contain it. You cannot say, I'm going to behold Christ, but I'm not going to feel compelled. You can't do it. I, I, I dare you. I dare you. I double dare you, right? You can't do it. it you, you see Christ, and, and there's something about others in conversational praise that, 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 that we want to. That, that's why I'm concerned a little bit. Are we beholding Jesus Christ? Yes. But if we're not compelled towards others, it gives you a question. Right? When we are not beholding Christ, we remain confined. I believe, I believe that beholding Christ is the essence of freedom. I believe that beholding Jesus Christ, really seeing him, right, really savoring Jesus Christ, it, it, it brings tremendous freedom. I mean, I, I, I want to stress that. That's why we long to seek him, right? The reason why we, long to, why we love to pray, why we love to seek him, read our Bibles, why? Because we want to see Jesus Christ. Because in seeing him, we experience a free, freedom, right? There's a lot of freedom nowadays, right? What freedom, right? If you pull, <laughs> but can I tell you, there is a, such a freedom in Jesus Christ that supersedes all kinds of other freedoms. Amen? But, but when we don't see Christ, I believe that what happens when we don't see Christ is that we naturally remain confined to the natural capacity. And I don't know if you know, but our nat- our nat- the natural world has been substituted by God's grace through Jesus Christ. Look at Romans 8, 20, 21. Uh, 8, 20, Romans 8, 20. For the creation, that's you and I, was subject to futility. See, that's just something that God, God put every, everything down. God felt this was the right thing to do um, in, in light of the fall of man, in light of all that, he subjected the entire creation to futility. Right? Um, this creation was not, the, the creation itself didn't do it willingly, but because of sin, it subjected him to impose. Well, somehow God is doing something to the idea of, of our will encouraging hope. Interesting how God would do that, right? That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage through corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God, the sons of God. So that there is a, if we are in Christ, we have this freedom. It, you know, it's something, it's something that, that, that Christ came and purchased for us, a freedom. Um, and in Christ, there is this freedom. So when we see Christ, I believe that uh, that freedom is manifested in our, in our that, that, that freedom is truly manifested when Jesus Christ is manifested in our midst by the power of the Holy Spirit, there is a freedom. Amen? Can someone say amen? There is a freedom. It's, it's, it's a unique freedom. It comes uh, as Jesus Christ is exalted and the Holy Spirit comes because the Holy Spirit is the only one that can magnify Christ. He, he was, that was his own mission. His mission is he will glorify me. So we need the Holy Spirit. We, th- this is not about, uh, I'm going to now um, think about nice thoughts about Jesus. Here, go ahead and think about nice thoughts about Jesus. It's not going to get you any good. The only one that can really magnify Christ, the only one that really knows how to glorify Christ is the Holy Spirit. He alone can take things, the things of Christ and just make them and, and show them to us and we catch a glimpse of that. Amen. And so, the, so, so we have this, this freedom by the, by the redemption of Jesus Christ. And when we see him, it becomes manifested, right? When we, something happens. Look, look at that. Look, look at um, what 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17 says. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is freedom. 
And so, I, I, and I believe one of that freedom is this freedom for conversational prayer. There's this, the, the, the praise becomes natural. Praise becomes, right, this idea I'm compelled to praise God because there's this freedom, right? And that's what the cherubim, the seraphims are experiencing tremendous freedom. They're, they're, they're just glorifying God. They're seeing this beautiful God, this magnificent king, right? And, and they're just magnifying the Lord. And you know what's interesting? The seraphims are not the same kind as Jesus, right? You know that? The seraphims are a different kind of created order. They're not man. They're not men. They're not human. These are creatures. And these creatures are actually alive. They're just magnifying God. So Isaiah was completely stricken. He was stricken by, by the way the, um, the seraphim spoke to each other. And uh, he says in, in Isaiah 65, Woe is me, for I'm lost, for a man of unclean lips that dwells in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You know, I, I love that. I love that, his, that, that Isaiah sums up this experience not as my eyes have seen the seraphim praise God. Isn't that great? He sums up the whole experience. This is what we know of it, but he, this is just so true. He did know the he did know the seraphim. He sees that they had two wings, two wings, you know, they have six wings. Like he, he notices a lot of things that's going on. He notices the conversation of praise. But the way he sums up the whole experience, see this really beautiful principle here. The whole experience is summed up by singleness. No mention of adultery. See, that's a point? No. In other words, the, the praise of the seraphim is not a separate and distinct experience from singleness. He sees that, but, but it's all summed up in what? It's summed up in the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's not like, ooh, brother, you're so anointed. You're, you know, we get so distracted you know, with people. You're so anointed. Ooh, you got, you got this gift and you got that gift. You know, forget about that. Have we seen Jesus Christ? Right? Have we seen? Have we seen? I believe that when God is really manifested in our midst, all the gifts come beautifully. People have tremendous gifts. People get tremendous. But you don't, you're not left with an impression of that gift. You're left with your what? An impression of Jesus Christ. Amen? And it's just something that, that, that Isaiah encourages us in this passage because he's not like, wow, seraphim, you know, can you train me how to praise like that? You're awesome, man. You, you are, you're anointed. <laughs> you know, he, doesn't, he doesn't say that. He, all he sees is the king. You know, so all, all that it did, but I do, I, did, I do believe that that conversation of praise added something to the experience. I think that that completed what Isaiah worship God in my house by myself. I can't do that. Right? I can't. There's nothing like when my heart, my heart is just together. Jesus is together. Because God is so interested in our unity that he will not allow you to bring his fullness of perfection to your Isaiah, when he personally sees, he says, when the gate of Kings died, I saw the Lord. 
I believe Isaiah was a priest of the Lord. What is it he's saying? He's taking the place of in a moment, right, he sees, and he has an individual moment where I believe he doesn't see himself. I don't think he's ever on the front page at all. He just sees the glory of Jesus Christ, and he's overwhelmed. Or, and we can, we can assume that, that this is nothing that he's ever seen in his life. But that moment, I believe when, as soon as the seraphim come in, it completes the moment. It's, it's just like, yes! They're doing what I'm, what I'm sensing I'm doing, they're doing, they're, they're recognizing this majestic glory that I, my words are so limited, but yes, seraphim, yes, seraphim, I'm with you. <laughs> right? We, we, is there, there's just something that brings us out, like, so that you can agree with the seraphims, right? And I believe in the midst of, he's agreeing with it. But I think in the midst of that, he feels I'm scared, I'm scared. But, but, I, but, I, but I think it completes this moment where, where, where you see the glory of God and, and, and you're celebrating and you're rejoicing God. And when you hear another voice, I'm telling you, when you hear another voice say, he's wonderful, it actually helps you explode the We're talking about a participation in the Spirit, in, in magnifying Christ, and as voices are joined to that reality, it gets the, it gets charged. Our hearts get charged with the beauty of Jesus Christ, with the magnificence of Jesus Christ. Your praise helps me to see more clearly. Has that ever happened to you? Am, am I just speaking Chinese? Can somebody say Amen? <laughs> like like like. You hear someone, and it just gets clearer. Not all the time. I can't say that 100% of the time. No, it doesn't. But there are many times when I'm hearing praise, and I see clearly. I, I didn't plan to see clearly. It's just that the humble shall hear and be glad, the psalmist says. Amen? The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. That's why pride is such an awful thing, because when we're prideful, it, it just stops. God says, this is bad. But when we're like, you know, brother, just praise the Lord. It's just, right? I don't, I don't really care. Just praise him, right? <laughs> praise him. And, and if you're being sincere, right? There's a lot of people that are false. But if they're being sincere, there will be a blessing. Amen? Have you, have you, have you heard people that don't know how to sing? And they, and they bless the song. Right? <laughs> and they don't know how to sing. They're like, this is just, but there's this passion that comes when the music is on. They're giving it all they've got, and their hearts are so full of God that they're not the best singer, but you're left there like, wow, this is amazing. Amen? Um, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. You know, and so you see the seraphim models a kind of conversation of peace that God had always intended for his people. So I, I want to just encourage us. God ordains peace that will keep us quiet like the psalm of Isaiah. God ordains peace that will compel us to magnify God in His presence. You know, peace that has the glories of Jesus Christ in the center of the conversation. And I think that's why sometimes praise and sometimes what's easy to do is we're, we're you know, in, in certain lines of prayer. I believe we're counseling with each other. You know, Lauren brought a good point when she was
there's been an effort to entice you to say you can go within that gift of God. Right? That's the fire. You can't say anything that you can't do. And everywhere you go, there is this explosion of society of Christians being respectful to the laws, being respectful to righteousness, being embracing it. Because they say, I don't think it's bad, so I'm not going to get into business. We've been, we've been, we've been conditioned finding out is that we're bringing that fire into the house because we've been conditioned. It's not because we want to. It's just because that's just the mode of living that we've adopted for these last few years. And we don't say nothing to no one whether Jesus Christ, say thank you for the fire, I can't say shit because it's stupid or whatever. Um, we bring in come into the house of God, when we come into the house of God, that's all the time that out of, out of, out of Zion is, is expecting us to be revived. Right? That, that, that when we come into the house of God, there ought to be fire. There ought to be, there ought to be it, it should not look like a business. Right? I, my, my conduct in the house of God should not look like sales. I, when I work at Peace America, it shouldn't look, there should be a fire in there. Right? There should, there should be a that we need to, and yet the society, without us thinking, we, 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 we just get filled with this fire, and then we, we uh, react in our faith rather than our bitterness. And, and so I'm just praying that God would begin to set us free from that because I think it's just going to get worse. I think it's just going to get worse. People are going to say, shut up. I, I, you know, in the book of Acts, I was reading where it says, I, I charge you not to speak in his name, right? Not to speak in his name. There's this charge in our society. But I believe that, the, that, that this, this, what I call conversational exaltation, that God would, uh, and you can't make this up. You can't make it. You can't box it in. You can't box it in. Think, think about King Jesus Christ. That's why I, I keep emphasizing. Got to see Jesus. But this, 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 um, this conversational exaltation, this conversation that rejoices together in the manifested glories of Jesus Christ, you know, that to each other, each other. That's why you know, I love moments. I, 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 I've had many moments of conversational exaltation with brothers that we're just exulting in God, right? Amen? And we're just, just, just enjoying the Lord together. We're just declaring His goodness as large measure. But that should also happen in the church. Amen? That should also happen in, in the presence of God. And that, that, that we would be so filled with, with God's goodness, you know, so that the purpose and goal of all speech, right, is not, not to refrain from foul language, but it's to magnify God. Amen? Psalm 51, 15. Oh, oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth, and I, and I will declare your praise. I will declare your praise. I'm going to just praise you, Lord God. We're going to need to fight. I remember this past week, I was just discouraged. You know, this past week, I was like, I don't know. I said, you know, just thinking about things and failed expectations, and I just felt that heaviness all week long. I said, Lord, you know, I'm praying that I have a breakthrough, and you know, it's just one of those unspecific things. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. When the company got people, I'm going to pray. And it's amazing. Within five minutes, this heaven is lifted up, and I'm just free. I said, Lord, you know, I was like, why here? Why, why couldn't you do it when I was home? <laughs> but it's this idea that God says, no, come to my house until I go into the sanctuary. And I just began to pray on, on Thursday. I said, no, I'm not going to give in to this. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight against this discouragement. I'm going to fight against this thing. I don't know what is going on. I'm fighting against it. it you know, it just, I had felt good physically, but then my emotion, I was just kind of not there. And I, you know, and I was pressing through. throughout. And I would have moments in prayer, but it just it would come back until Thursday. Thursday, I said, man, I told Lord, man, we just got to fight. We got to praise God. We gotta let the Lord. We gotta just glorify. He's been good to us, and, and just and just take put a little bit of, of, of energy into our desire to serve Him and to praise Him. And He made a difference. I came on Friday, just really, really, just resting in the Lord and saying, "Thank you, Lord." But I, but I remind, we gotta fight because I'll, I'll have another week like that. How many of you had a week like that? Amen. How many had a week last week? <laughs> How many expect a week like that this week coming up? <laughs> Think all the all the all the, all the unbelieving Thomas is about to come out of the woodwork. Full of unbelief. 
You know, but let's be honest. Have you noticed how many people are, are depressed and lonely? And this, it is a pandemic. Everybody is struggling. Everybody. We just found out a, a, a family. Great. You know, you know it's a time that we really maybe start looking into whoa, young family, three kids, depressed because of stuff. It's just like everywhere you turn, there's a lot of depression. And I'll tell you one thing, you, you and I are going to feel it. You and I will feel that. We feel the pressure emotionally. You know, and so I'm, I'm just giving you something that you can do, that we can do together to fight this. Amen. So that we don't have to get into this. And so um, and so we see that, that Isaiah's experience, right? The, the primary visible evidence of the uncleanness of man is not based on so much the wrong things that we do, but it's how we treat it. It's how Christ comes to cleanse us. It's how he treats us. That is probably the first evidence of that uncleanness. Does that make sense? It, it's like the first thing is the way you treat it. And Christ's cleansing blood comes and applies. It's our treatment. It's the words. It's the stuff, the stuff that we do, yeah, God will cleanse that too. But I think the first thing that touches is out of the abundance of the, of the, of the heart, the mouth speaks. It, it's all this, all this stuff. We start to change the way we speak. We start to change the way we, what we say. Amen? And so you start to see that this, 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 this clean, this work of cleanness that Isaiah experienced was a cleanness and uncleanness of his lips that, that was taken from the, from, the, from the altar. Then one of the, verse 6 of Isaiah 67 then one of the seven flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongues from the altar. He touched my mouth. And I, and I believe that that's not a type. And I believe that's a shadow. That, that, that's just a symbolic, that one of the things that God, in, he, in his cleansing, because that's Jesus, folks. God touches our mouth with the blood of Jesus Christ. Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sins atoned for. And so you, just, you, you start to see that this work of Christ, you know, and guess what? Isaiah, Isaiah. Starts to magnify Christ, right? After this cleansing, after this cleansing, he keeps writing. And these are, you know, he, he, he keeps prophesying. Look at Isaiah 52, 13. Look, what, look, look after this cleansing, look what Isaiah is saying in Isaiah 52, 13. Behold my servant. Amen. He's magnifying God. He's, he's prophesying of the glories of Jesus Christ. And so the idea that this is cleansing work, it works in Isaiah. It touched, it cleansed him. He can now be set free. Amen. Praise God, right, that we can, we can magnify God. How, mu- how much of us, how much, do, how much do our conversations result in the greatness and the glory of Jesus Christ? That's a challenging question. Don't say that to make us feel bad, because I ask myself that question too. Lord, I want to be more like your son, not less. If I am not even in any way. Right, I mean, just, just some, you know, we want, we want to be changed um, by God, we want to make, you know, we want to, like, make strides towards becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And let's turn to Luke 17, and let's just look at this, this wonderful story of cleansing. And to see, again, just this emphasis that the cleansing leads us to this conversation of praise, this moment of praise. And um, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered the village, he was met by ten what? Ten lepers, that they're unclean. The lepers are unclean in the, in the Old Testament, unclean. So we, we, we keep this theme of uncleanness. Who stood at a distance, right? This idea that when we're unclean, when we have unclean lips, guess what? When it comes to the praises of God, the magnifying God, we have a distance. I mean, I'm telling you, I feel the Lord say, I want a clean lip. Distance. Stood at a distance. Obviously, the unclean, they were called to stay at a distance. But I think this is a symbolic picture of those who are unclean, clean of lips. Now, they might be going to church. They might be doing a Bible study. They might be, you know, right? But, but, but still, they've never really dealt with the uncleanness of lips. Just as Isaiah was, Isaiah was a servant of God, and he had unclean lips, right? So this can happen to anybody. And when we're unclean, we stand at a distance. We don't, we don't, we don't really participate Right, and lifted up their voices, saying, "Jesus, Master, have mercy on us." When he saw them, he he said to them, "Go and show yourselves to the priest." And as they went, they were what? They were cleansed. 
So here we go. They were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, what did he do? Turned back and started doing what? Do you see, do you see how the freedom? He started praising God. It's a beautiful, beautiful illustration of what we're trying to show is that when God cleanses us, one of the first effects of that is, right, this, this freedom to praise God with a loud voice. This, this freedom to say, oh, God, you're wonderful. Oh, God, you, thank you for my healing. Thank you, oh, God, for, for what you've done for me. Right? This, there's a freedom of God that comes. Praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his feet at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Amen? He's been cleansed. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, where, where not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Did Noah found to return? And give praise to God and accept his following. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has saved your life. You know, this idea that the cleansing, God cleanses, the Lord would cleanse us so that we can magnify the Lord. Amen. I, I want to I, I be in a, in a community of people that just are magnifying Jesus right now. Right? Amen. Like, we, like we, we live in a world that is so dark. It's, they're, they're talking so much garbage, so much nonsense, so much that we would come in here and say, we would just, for, for two hours, two and a half hours, whatever, that we would just magnify Christ together. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be refreshing to your ears? Would that be refreshing to all the sounds that you hear throughout the week that do not magnify God, that do not worship God? All these sounds, all these voices, all of these interviews, all these podcasts, all these things, right? Everything is just like, right, that, 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 that falls short of the glory of God but that when we come in here, that there would be a magnification of the glories of Jesus Christ. Like, like that everybody, not just me from here, but that this would be all of us included together. Amen? Well, this, you know, is this um, just Old Testament stuff? No. Look at what Paul, Paul gives us a long answer to this. Look what he says in Ephesians chapter 5, 17 and 19. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So, he, he, he's, he's appealing to us. Again, he's trying to train us. He's trying to help us understand, okay, the culture of heaven. What, what does it mean to be redeemed? There is a lifestyle. There, there are things that we do in the covenant community. There are things the way we live. We don't live like the world. We don't walk in the feudal ways of the Gentiles, right? Paul talks about there, there, there is a way of being, a way by which we conduct ourselves in the household of God. There, there, so Paul is saying, hey, let's not be foolish, uh, but really understand. Let, let us enter into a greater understanding. And we ought to enter into a greater understanding. All of us need to, to grow in understanding what the will of the Lord is. What, what is it the Lord is after? He, he doesn't just save us and leave us alone. He wants us to grow in our understanding. What, Lord, how should I conduct myself? What do you want me to do? What is it that is at your heart? Lord, teach me your ways. Right? Teach me your ways, Lord. I want to know you. If I have found favor in your sight, Moses says that after 40 years with the, with the Lord, if I have found favor in your eyes, teach me your ways. So then all of us, we long to be taught the ways of God. We long to be taught, right, this idea, God, I want to do it your way. I, I, I have my own ideas by, by default. And so Paul here says, do not be foolish. He's saying, don't, don't, be, don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. We're going to come back to this. But verse 19, look at this, verse 19. Addressing what? Speaking, I like, I like King, King James says, speaking to one another. Do you see that? You see how Paul, Paul expects this conversational praise thing, that it's not just something that is the seraphim that are doing it. He expects the covenant community, he's appealing to them, he said, look, don't be foolish. There's a way to conduct yourself in the house of God. And what he says is, speak to one another. 
speak addressing one another. Right? I mean, do you feel the force of that? See, there's a lot of things that the scripture tells us to do, right? So, but this is one of them. Include this in the package. <laughs> Put it on the list, you know. You know, addressing one another. Speak to, this is a command, right? He's, he's telling us to do something. He's telling us as, as an apostle, he's got apostolic authority to understand something about the covenant community, about the house of God. He understands that. He understands how the society ought to work. And what he says is, brothers, listen, look, listen, listen to me. Speak to one another. Speak to one another. Please, please, trust me. Trust me on this one. Just speak to one another. Right? Speak to one another. He understands the role of speech. He understands the role of addressing one. He understands how important this is. He understands that you're not gonna you're, gonna, you're not gonna move with God. You're not. This is it. Right? He's telling. Look, he's telling you, uh, don't be foolish. Understand the will of the Lord. Speak to one another. Speak to one another. Trust me. I know you feel a little awkward. I know it doesn't. It doesn't. That's okay. Just speak to one another. Addressing one another. Speak to one another. How? Tell them. Psalms. Hymns. Spiritual songs. You see, this is for us. And then when we sing the cherubim, the, the seraphim, sorry, the seraphim rejoicing in God, um, it's no different. It's not like God has a one playbook for the seraphim. And another playbook. <laughs> There's one playbook. He's, he's one. It's all the same. And Paul now is, uh, what I like about the scripture, it assumes our obedience. It assumes it. Why does it, why does it assume it? He would not be telling you to speak to one another if you're, not, if you're unclean. He says you can't do it. But he assumes that the blood of Jesus can provide you've been set free. And now he can exhort you. He can say, hey, brothers, cultivate. That means teaching. That's okay because we have to be taught the ways of God. Nobody comes in here automatic, knows everything, right? We, none of us know everything. We, 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 we grow in understanding. We grow to, to how, how do we conduct ourselves in the house of God. When we come to church, what do we do? Right? You should be asking questions like that. Uh, what do I do? Should I sit in this chair? Should I, right? What do I do in the house of God? There's order. There's stuff that God wants us. How do I live in a community of God's people? I mean, there are things that we need to learn how to do that. And I don't know how to do them apart from the word of God. One of the things that Paul tells us to do is to address one another in psalms. What are psalms? These are these five sacred texts. We should be speaking to one another the words by the law with me. Let us exalt his name together. And Leroy responds, you know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Right? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be wonderful? That would be wonderful. That we would declare the words of God to each other. Right? But no. Hey, Leroy, how you doing? Good, good. How about this? I'm, I'm in worship with you. Right? <laughs> Just like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we exchange, like, hello. <laughs> but, you know, why, why don't we just magnify God? Psalms. It's a great, it's, it's a great job for the book, right? For, for the great, we don't have to make it up. So Psalms means you don't have to make it up. You don't know what to say? Pick a Psalm. <laughs> Amen, right? Just pick a Psalm. Just say one thing. Hey, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. <laughs> That'd be like a sword fight, right? <laughs> but you know, but I believe that that's exactly funny to us, because it's awkward. But it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be awkward. We should be declaring the words of God to each other. Now again, we can't make this up. So don't, don't come in. <laughs> yeah, it's our chapter. <laughs> but, you know, but maybe let's work ourselves where maybe it could become norm. So wouldn't that be wonderful? Lord, teach me how to encourage a brother. It doesn't have to be awkward. 
We just remind each other words of God. Hymns. But again, hymns are the writings. They're not sacred. Songs that other men wrote. Right? Other people wrote. That chronicle maybe their relationship with God. They listen to God. You know, there, there are many beautiful hymns. Many beautiful songs. That God has used. How many songs, how many songs have, have, have you heard in the Christian life? We have a few of them. Listen, <laughs> you know, we have a few. You know, like that, that they—they're not—they're not like great, but they magnify Christ, and they're beautiful, and they encourage us. Yeah, Amen. Like you know, it's this idea that that all things are you know, God doesn't just reduce it to the scriptures. But there are things that of testimony of when God has done it, that he wants us to proclaim the goodness of the Lord. And that testimony encourages other people. And no, that testimony is not scripture. It's not like, okay, the testimony of Emmanuel. Uh, no, 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 forget about that. Not, not scripture. But it is a blessing. It is a wonderful blessing that God uses hymns, spiritual songs. What are spiritual songs? You know, like if you ask me, I, I, I can't tell you. I, my, my guess is pretty good. Here's what I think. Big Psalms, Psalms are sacred, as far as I read. Hymns, you know, that revelation. <laughs> but probably still. <laughs> Spiritual songs, Emmanuel. Songs about God, right? Spiritual songs. I mean, you know, it's beautiful when you pray. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I pray, I sing my prayer. Right? And I just thank you, Father God, thank you. Right? You did all. Father, how can I do more? not just alone, me in my room, alone with my guitar. That's good. That's where it all starts. But the Lord wants us to speak those songs to one another. The songs that he gives you and me, he wants us to speak to us all together. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, this is my song. No, it's, a, it's meant for your benefit, right, to bless you, but also for the benefit of the body. God does everything for the common good. Amen? I don't know about you, how much, how much I, sometimes sweet conversation I try to say to God in secret. You might think, oh, that's just for God. <laughs> Maybe that's, that's his style. No, 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 let me guarantee you that when I'm, when I'm praising God, that when I'm preaching, there are moments when I need conversational exaltation. <laughs> like when I say, Amen. <laughs> That comes out of conversation, like when I'm worshiping God in, by preaching, right? Like, like um, because that's, I, that's my goal. I want to worship Jesus as I preach. I just want to just, I want to use this opportunity to strengthen my own love of Jesus Christ to the revelation of his greatness. So uh, you just come along for the ride. <laughs> and uh, so, but, but w 
when, when, when God is, when I'm sensing it, amen, I, I want, I, I'm, I'm crying out to you. Just respond back. I am. It's not my style. There's just something that the Spirit of God just yes. Amen. He's great. Amen. Amen. Right? It's just something that something, and I believe every preacher can, can relate with what I'm saying. There's just something. I cannot boast alone in the Lord. I want to hear an echo back. I want to hear. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> I, you know, it's just something that it, it, it God has embedded within the moment of exalting in Jesus Christ. Amen? <laughs> I did take it without thinking. <laughs> because you, you just want to j- j- rejoice in Jesus, right? But it's a corporate reality. It's not just me. So I'm, I'm inviting you in. Amen? I'm inviting you in. You can say amen. I, w- I love to have 55 amen corners, yeah? <laughs> you know, it's just a, but, but it's a, it, you know, and I tell you one thing, sometimes I don't hear that amen and I can feel it. <laughs> Short circuit. You know, so, so just want to encourage you. Let's enter into this. You know, let's enter into, you know, I love, you know, I'm going to close with this. You know, you know John Piper, uh, he, he just writes really good books on preaching. You know, so if you guys know John Piper, he's just, I think the best pre- preacher book I read was John Piper's preaching. And um, and he, he, he wrote one. I'm going to start reading it. It's called Expository of Sanctification. Expository of Sanctification. I called mine conversational sanctification. You know, like if he, he's, he's looking more from an elementary point of preaching, you know, that, that you exalt. The word E-X-U-L-T, which means rejoicing, expository rejoicing, so that when, you, when, you, when you're preaching the word of God, it, it's just a, a, an experience of great joy. Right? And I, I, I love what, he's, uh, what, what is written there. It says, not, it's intended not merely as an explanation of the text, but also a means of awakening worship by being worship in and of itself. Christian preaching is a God-appointed miracle aiming to awaken, amen, the supernatural seeing, savoring, and showing of the glory of Jesus Christ, and may I add, in a corporate setting, amen, together that we, not just the preachers favoring, right, but all the congregation entering into this wonderful, just wonderful experience of the glories of Jesus Christ, amen. How many people would just go, you know, clock, check in, check out, because, you know, yeah, that's, that's what they have. But that's not what, God never intended that to happen. God intended so that our hearts would be delighting in Jesus Christ. Amen? You know, there were men throughout the ages, you know, like, you know, you just read some of those sermons by uh, Charles Spurgeon. I mean, it's just, <laughs> he was basically like, beloved, give me just one minute, <laughs> because he has to rejoice in God. You know, you, you have to, re- you're going to rejoice in Jesus Christ. This is magnificent things. So I just want to encourage us all, and I believe that, you know, that could be a tremendously attractive element in any church when a person comes in and they cultivate a sanctification of sanctification. Right? Because it's not just simply to hear the sermon. It's really to delight in Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to stop right there. I'll, I'll some more time. I'm going to take up some more time. encourage us. And these are, these are things that not, again, these are, con- these are preachings that I think you should be encouraged because I believe God is, these are not things that you will probably hear in a, in a regular, I think God is calling us to really cultivate something deeper of, of Christ in our presence together. I think that's what he does. I think, as I was thinking about this, I think that, you know, um, God is giving us, God is doing something in our midst, and, that, and I think that we should, let's respond, and let's pray about these things, let's ask God, Lord, how can I, how can I, uh, um, how can I enter into a greater conversational exaltation, right, for the encouragement of the body, and for, mainly for the glory of Jesus Christ, and so, I believe God's doing a good work within us, we're gonna, just uh, close your eyes, and let's, um, let's, let's take a moment to just reflect on what's been said, we're gonna sing a song, um, that one good, beautiful song. Just pure and lovely song. Even ever before my eyes. 